Support for the show comes from Atlassian. With a new story about AI coming out seemingly every day, it can be hard to know what it all means for you and your job. Atlassian thinks there's a lot to be excited about in the AI-powered future. Even right now, Atlassian's AI-powered software can help you boost productivity by eliminating menial tasks, generating insights, and helping you find information about projects, policies, and processes. No matter if you're a team of two or two million, or if you're around the corner or on another continent, Atlassian software keeps everyone connected and moving together as one towards shared goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Support for this show comes from Mercury. There's an art to making the complex feel simple. Everything should be in sync, so even the smallest part serves a bigger purpose. Simplicity can transform your business operations. That's why Mercury powers your financial workflows from the bank account so ambitious companies have the precision control and focus they need to perform at their best. Apply in minutes at mercury.com. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from New York Magazine and the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. And I'm a chocolate mess. Are you nervous, Kara? I'm nervous. No, I've decided not to be. I can yeah. do nothing. Yeah. I, I, have, I have a new Zen, and it's not a Zen mentality. It's like there's nothing I can do except not get on the highways so a bunch of Trump chumps, you know, block up traffic. That's a really lovely thing to do. What a, what a bunch of assholes. I don't know what else to say. Well, you heard Chevrolet is offering 0% financing to anyone who's a fucking moron. So there was <laughs> there was a run on trucks. And, and by the way, by the moron. way, I mean, and they're channeling their inner French union. I'm yeah. trying to figure out how blocking traffic gets you more votes. I don't know. They're I mean, just assholes. They're just assholes. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. It's like, you know, you know, someone was like, oh, you, you, you like it when Antifa does? I don't even know who Antifa, like, or whatever. I'm like, no, I don't like it. No, I don't like it at all. I don't like any of it. Like, and I definitely don't like you guys, like, thinking it's fantastic. So don't even try to catch me on they that They absolutely one. should have had blown up dolls on the roof of Chris Christie. I mean, you know, he, like, had no comment about that whatsoever. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm going to stay out of this one. Ugh, whatever. It's so funny. They were like, AOC, we blocked the bridge. And she goes, I took the frog, throg's neck, you assholes. I know my way around. <laughs> she was like, but I just, like, I... Uh, uh, There's so uh, many assholes out. It's just like it's Halloween no, but, for assholes. Okay, it's one thing to be an asshole. What's asshole. intolerant is is to be stupid. It's like, well, yeah, how is that going so to help your cause? I just, you got to think that they literally, a couple hundred people... Are just voting tomorrow just because they're so pissed off. You're on your way to work. You're on your way to pick up your kid from school. Yeah. And someone blocks traffic? Yeah, they're going to try it all over the place tomorrow for voting, I think. I think that's just like, you know, I think <sighs> they're going to get more serious with the guns and everything else. I mean, uh, you know, the whole Biden bus thing, it's it's like really dangerous, actually. It's like playing chicken on a highway is not really a cool thing to do. Um, if someone had gotten hurt, it would have just the whole thing. And then for Trump to say it's great and for Rubio, that little stupid sidekick. By the way, do you hear Santa Rubio is already calling donors and raising money for 2024? Whatever. I, you he's know what? already I decided, raising money. I'm going to do everything I can to defeat him. I've decided I'm going to like move to Florida. Like, I just like. Come on down. You know, he's just the worst. He's like the yeah, worst because he's bad. like an Igor and he's like a loser and like loser. Like Republicans, you can do better than that if you want to have a bully. Don't, don't, don't hire the bullies. No, he's not a problem. But if you reverse engineer a lot of our biggest problems, think about immigration reform. Yeah. He was on this task force. They brought him in, young senator. He's very, he's very compelling. He's very charismatic. Sure. And he literally said, "I got message that the far right didn't like, didn't like uh, the immigration reform, and so he totally cut and run, totally killed the thing. If we'd had immigration reform four or five years ago, when that task force, that bipartisan task force, was assembled, mm -hmm. the world could have been in America a much better place." He's literally been posing for the cameras in Iowa for eight years. He's a it, witless, spineless imbecile. I'm sorry at this point. They can do better. Like, I literally like Nikki Haley better, which is really hard for me to say out loud. Yeah, I like but, Governor Haley. Like, at least she's like, yeah. whatever, you know, whatever. Yeah, she's a strong, she's a strong it's just, woman. It's a really interesting situation for all of them. We'll see what happens, but yeah. so we can't do anything about it. So let's talk, like, one of the things Well, just, that, just, just, what, I, I love a movie <laughs> reference. What you mm -hmm. said reminded me, Vito Morganson, a deeply underappreciated uh, actor, Agreed. Eastern Promises a fantastic film. Agreed. Obviously, the the Hobbit trilogy, but he there's a movie. He played a movie, the uh, Marine movie with uh, Demi Moore. The Marine that? movie with Demi Moore. Yeah. Okay. But go ahead. Oh, I'll you find mean it. the Seal movie where she's a Seal? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Yeah, he was also um, in the Hunt for Red October, but he's been in yes. a bunch of he's been in a bunch of uh, History of Violence is a fantastic movie. Anyway, yep. anyway, he's in a movie I forget the name of it where he plays an addict uh, with Sandra Bullock, and they're both in rehab. And he has a statement. Oh, he was a, he plays a pitcher, a reformed pitcher, and he says, "Once the ball's out of your hands, it's between God, the weather, and the batter." And what you said makes sense. The ball's out of our hands, right? Yep. Uh, anyways, right. so I don't know. It was called G.I. Jane, and he played Master oh, right. Chief, if you remember. Master that's Chief, right. Master Chief. He was Ridley so, Scott film, a Ridley Scott film. I love that movie. I hate to say I love that movie. <laughs> really? <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why. It's so bad. Wait, it's a woman so, dressed up as a Navy SEAL. I'm trying to think why you like that movie. Just was, she just was, I love when Debbie Me Moore goes for it. I don't know why she didn't have a bigger career, because she's just shameless in so many good ways. Yeah. So, that's yeah, why I like deeply her. Deeply a misunderstood deeply, artist. Yeah, right. Not an artist. But Viggo Morgensen, I agree. He's been in amazing movies. He's, he's, not, he's underappreciated. Um, the, the tech company, speaking of strong people, have done really yeah. well in reported earnings late last week. No surprises. They surged. Their stocks yeah. are off, though, today, even though there's been a bit of a rally. There was a downturn in Wall Street. And now, but, but uh, the, the techs aren't coming, jumping as much as the other companies, like retailers and such. Why is well, that? Well, Amazon, Scott? I mean, Amazon, think about this. And the, Post pandemic rise in profits. Whoa! Yeah, the profits up threefold. It, it's mm-hmm. it's really almost scary that Amazon. If you look at their business, whether it's cloud computing, whether it's a streaming video platform, delivering stuff to your home. I mean, it's as if this company was invented for a pandemic, and yeah. then and then a lockdown, um, stimulus, essential retailers. Uh, and Amazon's done a great job. I, yeah. I think that one of the biggest we don't we don't like to acknowledge the threats that didn't result in a in a panic. But I I believe that we would have panic if um, Amazon and Walmart's supply chain had been interrupted. I think yeah. that's when people would have grabbed their Glock and gone to Publix. Yeah, and they both did. I think they both did a great job to their credit. It's but it's clear these companies, if they can, if when there's an opportunistic infection that takes out a lot of business and employment, unemployment doubles, and these companies massively accelerate. It's like mm-hmm. a, you know heads heads they win, tails they win. This is kind of blown by all reasonable um, standards so what's the of bear antitrust. Case? Is there a bear case for them that there's no <sighs> stimulus? There's no what? what? What's the that this election is confused? That's assuming the bear case for everybody. I right? don't. I, I think. I mean, Facebook. I think fa- the bear case around Facebook is that the uh, executives there do a perp walk. I think mm-hmm. Facebook is so beyond the pale of damage to the Commonwealth that they might actually have poked the bear so many times that yeah. I think they're on thin ice. All right. Apple Apple is running out of people to sell a smartphone into. They've yep. got to come up, with, you know, they'll move to the rundle. But Amazon, I, it's just hard to imagine that Amazon doesn't run through the tape and not only win the 100 meter, but wins the 500 meter that wins the marathon. It's just hard to see them slowing down. And then Google, I think, is subject to some antitrust. But if you look at Azure up 48% year on year. Yeah. The the company I was following, and and so just some disclosures, I'm a shareholder in Apple and Amazon. I used to be in Facebook, and the people correctly Shame highlighted you. I was being a total hypocrite. Shameful. And so I, yes, I signed, I sold my Facebook stock. But anyways, I'm also a shareholder in Twitter because I yeah. think Twitter has been grossly, not mismanaged, but undermanaged. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you listened to that. You, you probably didn't do this, but listen to the earnings call. I it was know. literally it, the day before. Know? There's a story in the Wall Street Journal that comes out. This is okay. This co-CEO who manages two companies takes four mm-hmm. ice baths a day, and it's described as very hands-off. In other words, he's just not fucking home. He's not not there. He's the literally absentee CEO. Doesn't even begin totally to describe absent, this. Go ahead. All right. Okay. And then and then in the earnings call, he spoke for about 20 seconds and then handed it off to the CFO. It was like, I don't know what's going on here. And then did you see what happened to Twitter stock? What? Twitter stock is off 25% in the uh. last two trading days. And all that, you know, CNN and CNBC are all saying that it was low user growth. Twitter's numbers were good. Mm-hmm. You know, you know so what they what did? They said, it's very difficult for a company to accelerate when it doesn't have a CEO. This, I think this is a referendum. I think that oh, Laps was shellacking in the marketplace that it's gotten. His oh. total, I think all the investors listening to the analyst call go, oh shit, no one's home. Yeah. Anyway, there's going to have to be a lot of home going forward for sure for these companies. Um, all right, we're going to go into our big story, which, Scott, is the election. Okay, we can't escape okay. it. 
Okay. Everyone has election on the brain. Not okay. Kara. Kara's put down her phone and is not looking at Nate Silver or et cetera, et cetera. So as we go to the polls, let's talk about how platforms are prepping for whatever lies ahead. You talk about mm-hmm. a perp swap of, of Facebook. First up, Twitter will put messages at the top of users' feeds that are preemptively debunk false information about voting by mail and election results. By the way, Jonathan Swan at Axios is reporting that Trump plans to declare victory before the polls close on Tuesday if, uh, if he looks to be ahead. Trump said he didn't say that. It's very confusing. As usual, Trump is muddying the waters. This is his favorite thing to do. Wikipedia is also prepping for misinformation by creating misinformation task force. Uh, Dozens of people across the foundation's security, product, legal, and communications team have set up protections for the website, guiding hundreds of unpaid volunteers who edit its pages. For example, the main page for the 2020 election will be locked and unable to be edited without guidance from the task force, which is interesting. Meanwhile, PayPal has ended uh, its account with Epic, the domain registrar for far-right websites such as 8chan and a domain to the Proud Boys website. They're, everybody's trying everything. I don't Mark Zuckerberg is worried about civil unrest. Thank you, Mark, since you caused some of it. Uh, a lot of these people who did the traffic thing were organizing on Facebook, of course. Uh, so what do, you, what do you think? What do you think? Well, I'm going to turn the question back to you after a quick comment. Which never happened? But uh, personally, I think the civil unrest is not coming. Okay. I think that the the election interference is not coming because I think it's going to be that decisive tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And again, that's my bias coming out. But the okay. only thing, uh, the only thing I would uh, speculate about is that, for example, that 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 sad little penis gang from Murder She Wrote that surrounded mm-hmm. the Trump Biden or the that surrounded the Biden truck or the mm-hmm. Biden bus. Yeah, little what do you know? Troop. It was mm-hmm. organized on Facebook, Facebook and yeah. I bet we're going to find out slowly but surely that when bad actors, i.e. Russia, saw that going on, I mean, we provide the spark. Yep. They poured fuel on it. Yes, they did. We're going to find there were instances all through this election where Americans gave into their worst instincts and provided mm-hmm. really negative, divisive, polarizing, terrible content for the, the sanctity of our elections, and there were bad actors who Facebook's not interested in rooting out because it results in a decline in shareholder value, came in and poured fuel on Agreed. it. And that's going to be one example. Agreed. It, you know, this is just, they just have to, they, you don't even have to try. And I think some of them were could be, you know, remember last time the Russians started groups to get people angry. But what's interesting, it's not just Facebook, though, let's be honest. My, I yep. just got a text Agreed. from my, one of my sons. and said, I just got Trump ad that was an uh, ad on YouTube. He uses YouTube a lot. That was a Latino-themed song to get them to vote for me and clips of his dancing. Why are they targeting me? I get Biden ads too, but the contrast is incredible. Biden ads are just so much more respectable. And then Amanda wrote back, every dollar the Trump campaign spends getting their ad in front of a lefty 15-year-old in D.C. is a dollar well spent, in my humble opinion. <laughs> a lefty 15-year-old. They're, <laughs> grooming the, lefty. they're grooming him for he's, the future. He's not He's not lefty at all, actually. He's quite, he questions every, everything. There's yeah, nothing to make this kid 15. doesn't question. Um, but one of the things that is interesting about that is like he's been fa- focused on these ads and he finds them, repre- he finds the Trump ads reprehensible and they let him right. get away with it. And it was just a story in the Post today talking about that is like how much they get away with on YouTube or Facebook or wherever. Um, so I think, you know, the postmortem should be fascinating, although we might be not be able to trace their postmortem. Yeah, but you, uh, uh, so the question I did want to turn back to you is, uh, so these people stopped reaching out to me about two years ago, yeah. and and there's pretty much a, a blanket order across all of them not, mm-hmm. not to speak to me, but they do speak to you. What is your, what is your sense of their efforts around election misinformation? Do you think, A, it's effective? Do you think it's genuine? What do you think is going on at these companies? You know, I did a, an inter- I've did done a lot of interviews lately about this. I think the problem is the disinformation is coming from explicit. It's not Rush. It's not, it's Trump, right? So right. it's the Trump people or the Trump minions and everything else. And so it's explicit disinformation that you can see in plain sight. So same thing with the racism, same thing with all of this stuff, the violence, the casual violence. It's all, ma- everything implicit has been made explicit. So now we see it like, oh, look, here they are just calling for, you know, beat this person up or I'm going to fire this guy or lock him up. Like it's not. So I think that's one of the issues is so they have to just take him off. That's the only choice. And so what they're doing is selectively disciplining, which, of course, doesn't work. Right. And so I think there's frustration with the fact that there's nothing they can do about it, really. This is what they've been found out. And two, a lack of realization about the fact that the reason they 
these people act in this way is because they've never been disciplined, right? And so it's too late. It's literally like you've had a group of kids sugar for their whole lives and you're surprised they have ADHD or whatever. They're like obese or whatever, on and on and on. And I, and I, I think at this point, if I were the Trump people, why not break the laws? It doesn't, there's no, there's no enforcement. Why not? Why not? Like, and so I think they feel powerless and at the same time, they cause the whole thing. I guess. You know what I mean? So you get a lot of, well, we're trying our best. We're trying our best. And you're like, you know what? Just stop because it doesn't work. It doesn't help. It doesn't stop things. And you you do around the edges by getting rid of QAnon and this and that. But the next day, it it, it morphs into something else. And it's the platform that's the problem. Well, Steve Steve Bannon, it really chills down my spine because you can see it. Steve Bannon's very smart, but he said, you know, the strategy, which the Trump campaign is now adopting again as you get closer to the election you flood the zone with misinformation just flood it Mm -hmm. and confuse and discourage people and i i'm just going to be very it's going to be very interesting i i think they're in a state of panic i think facebook and twitter are like oh no and again the analogy is our parents are home and the dog is pregnant and the garage is on fire we are in deep shit because let's be honest there's no way to wallpaper over um, you know, we just have run out of excuses and the mm-hmm. election is so important and we're going to find, I, I just think they know we're going to find out a lot of bad shit went on. It's yep. just a lot of bad shit. Yep. And I wonder how genuine they are and w- the level of resources they're, they're, they are actually allocating um, to trying to suppress this. It's it's going to be, it's going to be fascinating. It'll be well, it very depends interesting. depends on who wins. If Trump wins, they're okay. They're like, they're not going to look. Why would you look at it? I mean, you have two ways. If Trump wins, which seems unlikely, but if it happens, they're sort of off the hook. And then who knows? Then they just have to do it themselves. And they may not be able to because this is working for that group. Um, If Biden wins, does he have the energy? He's got a million other things to do. This is not, Trump isn't going away. That's the other thing is what do you do with a post-election Trump who's lost? And that's what's interesting. Will he fade away? And he could because people instantly get tired of this bullshit, I think, right. on one hand. That's right. Or is he going to be, you know, at some point everyone's going to go, stop talking. Like, stop. Like, if he's not president, then he doesn't really matter. And if, especially if he's locked up into legal battles, which I think is going to happen for him. So what do you, what do you do with post-Trump Trump? Post, you know what I mean? Like, I, that's what I think will be interesting is how are they going to deal with them? I think they'll be much quicker to not worry about left uh, right-wing bias, which is bullshit, and it's a ridiculous worry on their part. Um, I think they'll be more willing to You know what happens off. to him? You, it, uh, the analogy is Megan and Harry. If Megan mm-hmm. and Harry were awful people, mm-hmm. uh, that's the analogy here. And that is once Megan and Harry left, left uh, Buckingham Palace, no one gives a shit about them. Mm-hmm. No one gives a shit. Right, and I, I genuinely believe that once this guy is out of the, I think his core base—they're not drawn to him because of they ideology. They're him. drawn to him because they thought he was a winner, and mm-hmm. America yeah. needs to win again, and America needs to be yeah. politically incorrect. And we're sick of these Democrats and Republicans lying to us. And we want change. The moment he's out of office, first off, every Republican senator, senator whose testicles have not descended, which is about fifty-two of the fifty-three, mm-hmm. are going to totally abandon him. Mm-hmm. I think even Fox is going to say, "Do we really?" Then he'll make noises around starting. The latest one is he'll, stay, he'll make noises around starting. Yep. A right-wing media network. I know what's involved. Maybe it'll involved. be like Quibi. It'll be the, just like Quibi. I'll tell yeah, but you. I, 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 yeah. And you do too. We know what's involved in running and starting a media company. And guess what? It, it takes a certain level of competence. And he is not able, he has demonstrated an inability to surround himself with competent people. So I, I just quite frankly think he was, I think it is shocking how fast it's going to fade to black. I yeah. don't think he, he I don't loses. think Fox is going to want him on anymore. They're going to be like, okay, turn yeah, the page. Well, we'll you see. know, it's interesting. Can he go into a Reagan-like zone, you know, like, and he will dispense his power to the people? I, I don't know. It just depends on how quickly say this you base... More, say more what you mean by that, a Reagan-like well, I, zone. it depends on what the numbers are. Like, if they're pretty close, he has power. If they're not, it's just a bunch of crazy, like the people who run around and do their truck thing and uh, whatever. You I know, just, they'll, I, eventually uh, they'll... You know, we're we're all too many afraid, Twinkies and have a heart we're, attack. We're all afraid to say this, and I want you to give me the mm-hmm. argument. Is okay. that all this early? But more, I think more people in Texas have voted before the before the election yeah. and voted and all. Mm-hmm. And I'm just trying to imagine. I know there's two factors. There's COVID nineteen. I want to get it out of the way, and mm-hmm. then there's passion. 
And I'm trying yep. to figure out what's happened it's in passion. the last four years that it's would have passion. increased the passion of Trump relative to Biden. No, it strikes me that- No, it's Biden. It's get rid of Trump people. All I of think. this early voting, I don't see how that Which is why they're making so many moves around the voting, trying to suppress the votes. That's why they're doing that, because they realize what's what those votes, what those ballots are saying. What's interesting to me is, you know, when I interviewed Hillary Clinton just recently, she's saying what you're saying. She's like, it's going to be over for him, and then he's going to be sucked up into lawsuits. Like, she knows about 100%. becoming irrelevant. Southern right? District is waiting. You know, that that's one. And I think she wasn't even talking about the lockup because she was not even, that wasn't even the topic. It said people, he's going to instantly get tiresome, especially if he loses badly, because his whole image with his base is based on winning and fuck yeah, the man and that right. kind of thing. And so right. she was very much like that. I was like, I don't know. They're, the people who like him really like him, like really, really like him for some reason. Because I think it it fills the the holes in their own feelings of being left out or being sidelined. Yeah, you know who the new Donald Trump is? Who? I had Stephen Schmidt on the Prof G podcast. Yeah, and by the way, Smith. very thoughtful guy. He is. I, uh, he's really good. By the and way, they're going to be the enemy again soon, so go ahead. You think they're going to be? They're, oh, I, they're still conservative. I was, they're still very. The Lincoln Project is pretty interesting. They I'm, are, I'm very drawn to it. I'm, I know I, you are. I I'm very drawn are. to it. I like White raging moderates are. who are creative and unafraid. I like these guys. I like the fact they're smart and savvy. I like the fact they make okay. money. People criticize them. If I put I like together that. a list of things they like, you wouldn't like them. But go That's ahead. I like true. them too. Believe Anyways, me, I like Rick I'm a big Wilson. fan of Steve. I'm a big fan of Steve Schmidt. So he came on and he said something really interesting. And that is, I agree with you that his people aren't going away, but you know what? They're going to find a new Mussolini and you know who the new Mussolini is? Who, who did he say? It's going to be Tucker Carlson. Oh yeah. Yes. Yes. He will be a political force. There And he, Stephen Schmidt said that he thinks the most viable candidate on the Republican side in 2024 is going to be Tucker Carlson. And think agree. about how much more compelling uh, uh, and smart, smart and uh, Tucker Carlson is than Trump. And he goes in with the same features, the reality TV awareness they can run a bunch of clips of him embarrassing scientists and embarrassing right. Democrats. I yeah. think right now, I hate to admit this. Yeah, he's this, a very dangerous I think he's man. the front runner. I think he's the front runner for the really GOP 2024. He's, what's fascinating is liking both people very wealthy, grew up very wealthy, and Tucker Carlson really fancy. You know, at one point he, he goes after me quite a bit, like he when, he, when he has me. Um, but he always talks about my private school education. I'm like, your private school costs ten thousand dollars more than my private school, my friend. That's so, your best comeback. Well, is I'm your just school saying, costs ten thousand like more than mine. Insulting my Yours private school. Yours was sixty. Mine was fifty. I, I, oh my god! True. It's like I can't believe he's using that, and he went to a more expensive private school. I just your water park was bigger than ours. <laughs> He is from a much richer family than mine. Let me just say, really? I do not come from poverty. I do not. But the man, it's like the it's like the Swanson fortune. I didn't he's, know that. He's like the TV dinner people. You know what? I got the answer. I think it's you Swanson. Guys, you guys, you guys Swanson. should wed thee to unite Westeros. <laughs> you shall bear children together. There will be the next king. And I will be your hand. I will be your hand. Oh, I, wait, it's all figured I'm out. I'm looking this up. Boom, I think settled. it's Swanson. I'm pretty sure it's the TV dinner. He's rich as heck. He goes to Maine. I don't go to Maine. Only well, the what really, does that mean? What that, do you got against Maine? We have Maine? big houses in Maine, and they're really not very comfortable, and they very like Very important ballot in Initiative in Maine. What? Which one is Maine that? and Alaska, both. And this Getting is rid huge. Of, uh, Susan Collins. What? No, 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 no. Well, I think she's out. We'll see. But I think she's out. I think she's. I think she's only number yeah. two to only Listen, Rubio in terms of someone who lacks all backbone. May I just read his name? Tucker Swanson McNear Carlson. That's his name. Indubitably. Tucker oh Swanson like McNear that. Carlson. I am Kara Swisher. That is it. That is yeah. my entire name. K Swish. Let me uh, just say. I am of Kara. Let me just say that again. Tucker Swanson McNear Carlson. Like, uh, he is oh, a God. rich I, kid. He's I a totally, rich kid. I totally opened that rich Tucker kid. bashing session. But Maine, yeah. back to Maine. So Maine has a ballot initiative, and so does Alaska. And they're really two important initiatives. And I would say that they're. Only second to 24 in terms of indicating where the country might be headed, uh, California 24. By the way, no on 24, everyone. Anyway, so mm -hmm. it's for rank voting. And I think that we need in America to make our uh, elected leaders more representative of America. And uh, I don't speak for 
the un, the silent majority here, but a silent majority or a majority that's been silenced is what mm-hmm. I'll affectionately refer to as raging moderates. And our current election system doesn't allow moderates to get any oxygen, and yeah. rank voting does. Yeah, so I, I think like, rank voting, I, I these two things in Alaska and Maine, and, and Maine are, I really hope rank voting becomes a thing. We need more people in the center. We need more purple. We need less red, less 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 bloody red, less iridescent blue. We need mm-hmm. more purple. We need more yep, people in the purple. middle electing I like us. purple. Let me just go back to Tucker Carlson for a second. Oh, in 1996, Carlson's parents divorced after a nine-year marriage reportedly, quote, turned sour. Carlson's father was granted custody of Tucker and his brother. Carlson's mother left the family when he was six, wanting to pursue a, quote, bohemian lifestyle. Interesting. Well, that makes him more likable. So I know, he, but he I think it made him mad. That. I think, and then, then his his father married the heiress to the Swanson fortune. Anyway, and I don't know how Swanson got in his name, but there you have it. In any case, we any are case. going to the GOP we have a lot runner. to go. We 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 what? So I'm going to ask you. We're going to go on a quick break in a second, yeah, and yeah. Uh, and a palate cleanser from election talk. What can what? Who is going to end up the worst of the platforms in this in this situation? Of you, if you had to pick, Facebook, YouTube, what? Oh, there's just no getting around it. There's uh, Apple is disarticulated and and starched its hat white. Hands down, the scaled sociopathy that is Facebook never fails to disappoint. Uh, we're going to find out that it's just built into their culture, uh, a total lack of regard for our commonwealth, a total ra- lack of regard for um, our species in terms of cooperation, a total lack of regard for how dangerous it is to have algorithms. Uh, and by the way, it's nothing that Twitter isn't guilty of. It's just that mm-hmm. Facebook's better at it. But yeah, we're, we're going to find out all sorts of crazy shit about about Facebook and how this you know $300 million mm-hmm. to stand, fend off election interference was nothing but what Vaseline on a giant gaping wound that is the sociopathy of the most damaged individual <laughs> to reach this level of power. Tucker um, Carlson. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to take Ms. a quick break. Swanson, yeah, Tucker Swanson. When we Carlson. get back, we have oh, a friend. God, that's scary. Fox Creative. This is advertiser content from Atlassian. One of our customers who produces pizza at a very large scale all across the world. Believe it or not, they use AI to review the quality of the pizzas that are created. That goes through a workflow that scans the images of the pizzas and makes sure they visually look like what they should. So it's pretty cool. That's Sharif Mansour, Atlassian's head of AI. Sharif thinks there's a lot for companies to be excited about on the AI-generated horizon, spanning everything from making pizza to producing podcasts like the one you're listening to now. There'll be far more jobs created on the other side of this revolution. Instead of a world of less, Sharif envisions an AI-powered world of more. In everyone's day job, they're moving from doing the thing to often being an architect of the thing. It unleashes the potential of every human. And I think we can go from a world where few people have access to a high level of intelligence to a lot more people having access to this information. AI is really giving everyone on the planet more resources to do great things. And I'm very optimistic about that opportunity that lies ahead. Transform teamwork with the power of AI-human collaboration. Start using Atlassian intelligence for your Atlassian products like Jira and Confluence now. Learn more at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N dot com. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. 
Okay, Scott, let's bring on our friend of Pivot today. He's the CEO of Panera, Niran Chowdhury. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Great to be here. Well, Scott's going to start it off because it was his choice to have you here, and I'm very excited. So, near and full disclosure, when I heard about the Rundle program that Panera was offering, the coffee program, uh, I reached out to Niran and asked if I could invest. Uh, so I want to disclose that. And I haven't made that investment yet, but if he, but if he, if he, if he wises up, he's going to take my money. But I am so impressed <laughs> with this company because I look at the best performing stock of the last 10 years. It's not Amazon, it's Domino's. I think the fast casual, the QSR, the innovation there, it's an enormous category. And I think innovation there is really exciting. Can you talk to us a little bit about your approach around what I'll call recurring revenue bonds? and how you see the world of fast casual changing? Certainly, Scott. So uh, firstly, I'm really flattered that you'd want to invest in Panera. And we are absolutely open to you investing as much as you like. (laughs) Thanks for saying that. (laughs) Well, um, you know, it's Panera has always been an innovator and a leader um, in fast casual. And as you know, we were number one in food transparency, number one in digital e-commerce, etc. And we continue to, you know, carry that torch forward in everything that we do this a healthy sense of dissatisfaction around the status quo, you know, constantly pushing ahead and f- looking for ideas to improve our business model. And I think you referred to the recurring revenue model. I think that's certainly the first of its kind in the industry. We're very excited. We want to be the Netflix um, of coffee, uh, as if it were. And the idea is very simple, which is, you know, premium coffee doesn't have to be very expensive. And Panera has a great premium coffee, which is an underleveraged asset. And you bring those two things together and you have this unlimited coffee program where for $8.99 a month, you can have unlimited coffee. And I think the uh, the, the strength of this uh, program is manifold. Um, so firstly, I think in terms of just a business model, you know, recurring revenues uh, of the subscription that you get annually. On top of that, uh, you're able to drive frequency up of your customers. Uh, we are seeing frequency gains of uh, as much as five times basis this program. And then you have attachment on top of that. We're seeing 40% of those increased visits are having food attached to it. So, so it's you- like, I'm just going to interrupt you there. It's like Amazon, where when someone goes to Prime, they go from 600 bucks a year to 1,500 bucks a year. I'm, I'm curious, so you've signed up almost a million people? Yeah, we, we had a million people expressing interest. And now as the, uh, the time kicks in for them to start actually paying for the subscription, it is coming down, but still it is... Uh, close to about 400,000 at this point in time. So uh, t- as a CEO of a company, you're, so, so there are several big players in the space and you're one of them. And pre-pandemic, it was the cost, the major cost or cap allocation was real estate, loosely what I'll call branding, both in-store and out-of-store, out billboards, TV, whatever, in-store labor. Um, uh, the bi- I'm trying to think of the big costs and then innovation and then the product itself, food, which typically is not the most expensive part. How, post-pandemic, walk us through how your capital allocation is going to shift or change and why. So I think post-pandemic, we're sort of, you know, uh, looking at a completely new, uh, or I would say a stronger and a different business model. And the business model is going to be more orientated towards the off-premise needs of the customer. Uh, So more geared towards off-premise convenience. And which is uh, driven primarily by through e-commerce access, you know, and we have a very strong uh, foundation of e-commerce. So off-premise convenience access through e-commerce. And I see actually uh, moving forward smaller box formats uh, with smaller amount of percent of a business being on-premise, a larger chunk being driven off-premise and primarily unlocked through um, uh, through e-commerce. So w- can you, what is, how big is that? You, you, your stores are now pretty big. They're like restaurants. They're yeah. Sort of, so, yeah. Our, you know, our current Panera is, let's say about four and a half thousand square feet. Mm-hmm. 40% of our revenue pre-pandemic would come from on-premise. Go forward, you know, I see that world flipping and I see that a bigger chunk of revenue will now come increasingly from off-premise. And you're looking at maybe a size going down from four and a half thousand square feet to about three thousand square feet. So mm-hmm. smaller box, smaller capex, uh, even for a similar revenue, better asset turns, and therefore superior returns as we go forward. Is that a trend that you saw pre-pandemic? I think pre-pandemic. Also, we were looking at you know how can we make our whole business model more scalable and more profitable, and we were working around these 
levers of you know smaller box and more efficient uh, capital deployment. I think that whole process has just accelerated dramatically. And what percentage of your business is a digital? I mean, technically, what percentage of your business is e-commerce? Touches digital? Yeah. So I think e-commerce uh, is about currently about sixty percent of our total sales. So wow. it is up from say about thirty-five percent pre-pandemic to close to sixty percent. And I would say this is probably you know right up there uh, in food retail and and something that we continue to leverage extremely hard. And as as you know, Scott, I think on the e-commerce, what you realize is the return on the uh, advertising spend is at least three to four times more efficient than that of traditional media, uh, because you can be so much more targeted and so much more impactful. And therefore, we're we're pushing a lot of our dollars in that direction as we go forward. More and more digital investment, and continue to drive uh, our e-commerce percent. And we talk a lot about income inequality and software being used to arbitrage people. Can you talk a little bit about, and, and, and generally, Niran, and we've talked about a, lot, about a lot of things. We haven't talked about this. Can you talk about your labor force and how you, quite frankly, develop some of the economic security and move wages back in the right direction? Because typically, fast casual is not known for paying people very well. What is your approach, your viewpoint? Is it worth a reduction in EBITDA and shareholder value. Uh, how are you approaching giving people a living wage that work in that work in your uh, in Panera's? Yeah, sure. So I think that's a great question. I, I really believe that at the end of the day, it first starts off with continuing to build a very strong brand, a brand that can therefore demand some sort of a premium from our customers. So it starts with the brand promise, which is very strong and differentiated. Then your need to be your ability to execute against that brand promise consistently uh, is very important, so that you build a loyal franchise. That in turn creates a business model, which then is strong enough for you to take care of all your various stakeholders. I think our mindset is that actually it all begins with the people, our employees, our associates, and the culture that we create. And my firm belief is that if we truly love and take care of our associates as we should, which includes, uh, you know, living wage and also beyond that, taking care of their growth and their ambitions so that they want to stay with Panera. That in turn then creates more loyal customer franchise. And if that happens, that's how you actually create sustainable shareholder value. So I see those not as conflicting levers. I see them very much aligned in the way in which we can create shareholder value. You said, you referenced the number 60% e-commerce, which immediately makes me believe that all of a sudden, a huge component of your CapEx, your management, your approach is supply chain between the store and the house. That all of a sudden you have uh, not only the need for pickup, but the need for delivery. What's your approach to delivery? Are, do you think it's it, you outsource it to Uber Eats, which is obviously more capital light? Do you make the what must be a huge investment in vertical, and that is having your own Panera employees with their own insurance, their own decent compensation, their own cars. What's your approach to the supply chain on the back end? I think delivery is is certainly a, uh, a channel which has tremendous uh, tailwind, as we all know. So our delivery is growing at over 100% uh, right now. Uh, so we are the I would say probably the leader in fast casual in terms of having the largest fleet of our own drivers. We have 8,000 drivers on our own payroll. Wow. Um, and that's how we came into the pandemic with that number. But we had around just before the pandemic also started exploring partnerships with third party aggregators because the way in which we look at it is that we want to make sure that the top of the funnel is really open for our customers and they can order a Panera where they want it, when they want it, how they want it. So we have the full range of options from fully owned to fully outsourced delivery models and hybrids in between. And what we are doing, I mean, we are probably the only, um, uh, I think, brand that that has that full dimension and scale of fully owned and fully outsourced and hybrid solutions in between. And what that means is that for all of our over 2,000 cafes, we can customize the right business model for that particular cafe and that trade zone, keeping into account the requirements of the customers, the ease or difficulty of hiring drivers, uh, et cetera. When you think about the pandemic and how it's changed your businesses, you're not going back to the other one. How do you look at the whole food industry, which has been suffering, obviously, through the pandemic, one among retailers 
food, things like that? Is it just, this is the way things are going to happen for good with less people at work, less, more people remote and things like that? Well, I think, you know, this is a, it's a very challenging uh, moment in time. And I think what makes it uniquely difficult is that the health crisis is becoming a financial and a humanitarian crisis, actually, mm-hmm. and all happening at the same time. Right. And also the customers are changing what they want and what they expect right now dramatically, more so than ever before. So customers want more safety. Right. They want more off-premise convenience. They want e-commerce access. They want uh, more compelling value. Mm-hmm. And they want meaningful uh, food innovation, you know, in our category. And I think those are dramatic changes. And I think for all of the brands, I think it is a time where we have to redefine ourselves and innovate um, to become, uh, continue to be relevant uh, to the customers as we emerge from the pandemic. But one of your great businesses was office workers, right? You were yes. located in a lot of, so is that gone? Do you feel like that's gone? Because I was talking to a lot of businesses and they're like, we're sticking with, 65% of people working remotely from now on. I think it's been, you know, uh, hugely impacted. So to give you a sense... Um, I mean permanent, permanently impacted. For the moment, so give you a sense, 40, 10% of our total sales was coming from catering. Mm-hmm. And that has gone down by at least uh, 60% this less. This is to offices, right? To offices, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Panera had, you know, we were the nation's... We the nation's largest business caterer. And, you know, you yeah. can imagine that we, we, you know, almost half of the business has disappeared because of right. what's happened. From the business perspective, my last question, um, to, this is airing on the day of the election. Is there a difference? You look at a Trump win versus a Biden win in this election. What do you need as a business person, aside from lack of this ridiculous fight, you know, just the noise and everything else that is created by this very difficult ele- and partisan election? Well, I, I'll tell you, you know, our world and every waking moment is consumed totally on what we should be doing differently at Panera. Mm-hmm. And how we can serve uh, our customers to the best of our ability, better than anybody mm-hmm. else. How could we can take care of our associates? There is so much that we need to uh, get right. Uh, that that's where our focus is, and uh, I think that's what we'll continue to do. All right, thank you so much. We really appreciate you coming on. Thank you very much. Real pleasure. Okay, Scott, we're going to go on a quick break. Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact. If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. If you want to connect with your customers, you need to break through the noise. You need Constant Contact. Constant Contact is a marketing platform that makes it easy to reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and connect over email, text, social media, and more. Whether you're a marketing guru or just learning the ropes, Constant Contact offers writing assistance tools and automation features that make it simple to say the right thing at the right time. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Support for Pivot comes from Hidden Layer. It seems like everywhere you look, industries are turning to generative AI. We talk about it a lot on this show. Businesses can generate more ideas, answers, connections, solutions, and momentum. But at the same time, security teams are forced to slow down that progress so they can make sure AI adoption is safe and responsible. Hidden Layer's AI detection and response platform secures generative AI and large language models from malicious attacks, leaking of confidential information, and intellectual property theft. Hidden Layer helps you generate more by enabling seamless, secure generative AI. Here's how it works. AI detection and response protects businesses from potential attacks by monitoring and analyzing the inputs and outputs of their generative AI applications, blocking harmful transactions and alerting security teams in real time, allowing organizations to accelerate their AI adoption with speed. Customers in finance, technology, healthcare, and even the U.S. Department of Defense trust Hidden Layer to protect their AI today. Plus, Hidden Layer was named Most Innovative Startup at RSA, the most significant cybersecurity conference in the nation. With Hidden Layer, go from pause to possibilities. Generate more with Hidden Layer. Visit hiddenlayer.com slash pivot to learn more about Hidden Layer's AI detection and response solution. Okay, Scott, wins and fails. What is your win and fail? Oh my God, this election is over. Let's, Look, let's, my, 
24 hours. Yay. So I'm hoping my fail is Proposition 22. I think that Uber has not figured mm-hmm. out a way to be profitable, but has figured out a way to, along, alongside of Lyft and Instacart, Instacart uh, raise a, uh, or allocate or spend a quarter of a billion dollars to continue to rob people of their dignity of work to continue. There was a story about a family whose father was so desperate for work that he loaded up his car with Diet Cokes and his diabetes medication, caught COVID, died, Mm -hmm. and his family, his heirs, can no longer, cannot get workers' compensation death benefits, which they would be able to do if if Uber was forced to pay payroll taxes as employees. This is, Uber is a company that not only doesn't make money, but it's a company that lacks empathy, but finds a quarter of a billion dollars to make sure that workers don't unionize, to make sure that they still don't make money when there's someone in the car. So I'm hoping the, the million dollars that's gone to the no on Prop 22 somehow fights back and finds purchase amongst California voters who are fighting against a quarter of a billion dollars behind the yes on Prop 22. And I have a lot of confidence in California voters. Yeah, they have a know. sense for the future. Yeah. So that's my, that's my, I don't know if that's my win or my loss. And then again, I want to bring it up. Uh, uh, the the rank voting in Alaska and Maine, I think is super important. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so anyways, those are my wins and losses. What are yours? Very good. My win, I think, is the Texas Supreme Court denying these, nice. all these petitions. All nice. Of these, all of these petitions that the Republicans are seeing to suppress votes. It's going to go on for days. tried to suppress 110,000 votes. I'm sorry <laughs> to interrupt you. After it had been ruled by this governor, the attorney general, that they should be able to do this. It's just like this voter suppression thing. I I, I interviewed um, uh, another very preppy guy, um, Trevor Potter, another name, Trevor Potter, such a good name, um, about this. He's a lawyer. He works for a, a non, nonpartisan group that's trying to stop this. A former, he worked for McCain, that gang, essentially. And uh, he was, it was just amazing, all the different stuff around the country. And I think these, these lawsuits are just insane. It's just that they're doing this. It's just, you can't win the real way. You do it the fake way. And so just like win by getting more votes or having a good platform or anything else. But this is, and I know I sound like I'm Jimmy Stewart and in uh, uh, Mr. Smith goes to Washington, but honestly, this is just ridiculous. This is just ridiculous. This idea that that votes are being stolen is just such. This voter fraud thing is so fraudulent. The way they talk about it, and that. So I thought that was a win, um, and I think a fail is this continued. What is the base common denominator of shitty? including attacking uh, Dr. Fauci right in the middle of the peak of the epidemic. What a fail. What a, you know, like attacking him and saying he's going to fire him. And that's just, it's just, uh, FYI, suburban women love Anthony Fauci. I mean, come on, like, what are you, who are you going for there? And so I think this attack on science and and I, I wish more Silicon Valley people would frigging speak up about this kind of stuff. I have not seen enough um, tech people really defending science and which is adjacent to tech. Um, and so I think that's a fail on their part, especially. I, I expect it from Trump. I do expect more leadership from from the tech community on defense of science. So that makes sense because, or just as as uh, a footnote to our guests, they, the name, you know what they call suburban moms now, both CNN and Fox, what they call, they used to call them soccer moms, you know what they call them now? What? Panera moms. Seriously, uh, they call them I Panera, Panera moms. But Panera. most importantly, most I'm importantly- I'm a Panera mom. I'm a Panera mom. I go to yeah. Panera all the time with my children's because yeah, it's healthier. I love it's healthier. Panera. Not healthy, but healthier. Many things. You can do very well there from a healthy point of view. I agree. In any case. Scott? I agree. Should I sign us out? Are Thursday, we signing out? I mean, honestly. Honestly. Yeah? You ready? Next time we speak, it should all be over. Will it all be over? I don't know. But it it's should be. It's a new be, chapter. I hope it We're is. turning the page. We're absolutely let's turning let's the show. There is no civil unrest. People, take a friggin' breath no matter what side you're on. Try not to block people in traffic. You're an asshole when you do that. Uh, I get that you have a point of view, each side, although there are not nice people on both sides. Kara, the immunities are kicking in. We are, we, we are absolutely, we are, let us ab- hope. We are absolutely saying no. We're going to say no to Proposition 22. We're going to say no to Republican governors who don't want to win the vote. They want to suppress it. We are saying no to skilled sociopathy. We are saying no to people who have no respect for our government. We're going to start funding our institutions. We're saying no to an economy that lets someone be worth. The, the GDP of Lithuania, well, 
25% of households with children can't are food insecure. We're going to say no to being yeah. the mother of all useful idiots of Russia. Wow. We're seeing we're going to say no to people who want to send women back to old Spain. We're going to say no to the to the American <laughs> arrogance masking as exceptionalism. We're going to say no to administration that will go down as loving more death, disease, and disability on America than any people on history. We're going to say no, Kara. You know what we're going to say no to? What? We're going to what? say no to terrible fathers who have five yeah. children by three wives and then raise them to be expectant jerks with no empathy. We're going to say no to people who <laughs> mock the disabled. We're going to say no to people who believe it isn't time for a woman of color to be in the All West right. Wing. Tomorrow night or tonight, we open a can of whoop-ass. There is nothing wrong with America that can't be fixed with what's right with America. And tonight, we are the righteous. And if he doesn't win, if Biden doesn't win, I'm not leaving America, but I'm going to move in with Alec Baldwin, who threatened to leave America, which is even worse. <laughs> even worse. America oh, again. Scott this is America is, again, way, Kara. Scott, is that, just so you know, we had a bit of a criticism this week by someone with a name we, we're not going to repeat. Nonetheless, we are doubling down on who we are, aren't we, Scott? Aren't we? You know what? You know what? As you get older, you become more yeah. like yourself. And guess what? Guess the what? The jungle cat and the dog are really that fucking old. Is this is who right. we are. <laughs> that is right. And this is who we're going to be. We're talking about our family, our neurosis, our excellent insights on business and tech and everything else. And you're just going to, you don't listen if you don't like it, my friends. That's the way it goes, right? That's we right. We love you, the ones that love us. Good we luck tonight, you. America. America, let's do this. Let's do this. Okay, Scott, the world may be different next time we talk. So now, how are you keeping calm as results come in? As always, email us at pivot at boxmedia.com to be featured on the show. Tell us how you feel, uh, how it's going. What do you think? What do you hope for for America? How about that? What do you hope for for America? Scott, read us out. Today's episode was produced by Rebecca Sinanis. Fernanda Finita engineered this episode. Erica Anderson is Pivot's executive producer. Thanks also to Hannah Rosen and Drew Burrows. Make sure you're subscribed to the show on Apple Podcasts, or if you're an Android user, check us out on Spotify or, frankly, wherever you listen to podcasts. If you liked our show, please recommend it to a friend. Thanks for listening to Pivot from New York Magazine and Vox Media. We'll be back later this week for another breakdown of all things tech and business. America, we got this. Support for the show comes from Atlassian. Whether you're exploring space, making pizza, or producing a podcast like this one here, chances are your team is marching into the AI-generated horizon. Atlassian Intelligence is unleashing a new era of teamwork. You can use Atlassian's AI-powered products for everything from brainstorming ideas to finding information to summarizing huge documents, all by using normal, everyday language. Atlassian AI-powered software like Jira and Confluence help teams accomplish what would otherwise be impossible alone. Because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. Learn how you can transform teamwork with the power of AI at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.